I'm Carrington J. Tatum, Editor-in-Chief of the University Star, and you're listening to a Star Podcast. Around here, when you win, it isn't good enough. You know, but when you lose, damn sure ain't good enough. So so what is good enough? You guys need to tell us what is good enough. I guess you get paid to cause controversy, but in this locker room, we're not going to help their cause. You, you write that in the paper. You write that. You make money off that. You're carrying on like a legacy, like your last name, you know? The people that did this in the 80s, they weren't doing it just because, oh, they thought it was a cool hairdo. No, they were doing it because they were badass. Hey, welcome to Cats Got Our Tongues. This is the University Star Sports Podcast, where me and my staff talk about Texas State and Texas State athletics. Here joined with me right now is one of our reporters, Jacob Summers, uh, who specifically covers baseball. And I want to start off this podcast basically saying, Jacob, how good exactly is our baseball team right now? Well, I mean, I think it's... Hard to say where we'll end up ultimately, but I think we're showing great promise. We're, be- we're beating teams like A&M, which, um, I mean, they were a 12th-ranked team. We have another uh, home and away game against Texas. That's 17th-ranked currently. So we're playing all these big teams that if we take down, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we, you know, slip into the top 30 maybe uh, at the end, but we're going to have to really keep uh, stay on these win streaks, stay away from, you know, big losses like the one at the – last Friday against Georgia Southern. But, I mean, if we can keep stringing these wins together and keep batting like we're batting and lean on our pitching, I know, like, Connor Reach is out of his mind right now. If we can just, you know, stay on that uh, and win the big games, you know, like the games we won against Texas A&M and the two games we'll have against uh, Texas, if we can win at least one of those, um, I really think we have a chance of, uh, you know, getting a shot at the end of the season. Right now, I think we're averaging at least one loss per three-game series, mm-hmm. which is especially, I mean, when, you, when you're talking about, like, just win streaks, I don't know. I, looking at this team, like, right on paper, right at their score, and right on their, like, you know, just their their record for the year, mm-hmm. are we all right? Are we in a good spot heading into the, to the, to the rest of conference play? Okay, for the rest of conference pr- play, I think we are. Um, I mean, right now... Our conference record isn't as good as our overall record. Um, we're sitting a little over 500 at uh, 0.649 for our overall record. And then, like you said, one in every three, it seems to be where we're losing our series games, our key series against interconference teams. And we're sitting at nine and six. So that adds up perfectly. We're winning one or we're losing, you know, two in every three, actually. And we're only winning, you know, 600 percent of the interconference games. But the thing is, is I don't think that's because we're a bad baseball team at all. I mean, we're showing that we can play against these really powerhouse baseball teams and we can win whenever we show up. I think it's just kind of a consistency thing. Where does the consistency lie, though? Um, Maybe in the first game of the series, a Friday. Like, maybe is that like a hangover thing? Um, Traveling out to Georgia, not being ready. Yeah, I mean, if you're just showing up and getting blown out, you know, 12-0 to in your first game of the series, but then you turn around and win two dominating games like you do, um, I mean, that shows a team that at least is resilient, uh, to say the least. I mean, I just don't know. I don't know if, you know, winning two of every three games is going to cut it. Where does your frustration lie being a beat reporter, being just like a fan and of a student that just goes here? I would say the bottom of the lineup. Because our top of the lineup is consistent. We have, you know, Jackson Williams, Dalton Shuffield, Jalen Hubbard, Will Hollis. That's Those were the four that I said I wanted to see uh, last time we talked about this on the podcast. And those are the four with the highest batting average. Uh, I mean, Jackson Williams is hitting a .93 OPS, which is, like, out of his mind. And, I mean, he's hitting in the 
one or two hole. You know what I mean? He's not even the leadoff guy most days. It's normally Dalton Sheffield. So whenever you can get that kind of consistency from the top of the lineup, you're going to have guys on base. The problem I think we have is leaving guys stranded. And, uh, I mean, we have big hitters. You know, Will Hollis is a big hitter. Um, um, John Wartrich, Ryan Newman. The problem is they don't get the big hits in the right time. You know, they might hit a single run homer here and there, which is nice and all, but you really need to hit it when you have guys in scoring position. And maybe when you do have guys in scoring position, the big dinger out of the park is not what we want, but maybe choke up a little, at least put them in play, and just keep the you know keep the rotation going that's the biggest thing i saw at the last home game series that i went to when you know it looks like we were like swinging for the moon mm-hmm. and not even getting there because you know right you just put enough air under a ball anybody can get under it mm-hmm. so. exactly but the thing is is i don't think um that's something that they're coached not to do i think they're encouraged especially those big guys uh I don't think they've ever been consistency hitters, so I think they're encouraged to you know try to get their runs where they can the problem is i just think at Especially least. recently, too, right, with the Grand Slams that have been kind of getting us right. out of trouble and then really, like, putting yeah. our program over other programs mm-hmm. in terms of just, like, scoring. Exactly. So whenever we do – whenever it comes in the right moment, it's beautiful. But the problem is is all too often we're leaving guys in, s- stranded in scoring position and we can't bring them home because we're trying to do too much. Um, I don't know if that's something that you tr- – tell guys to stop doing though like do you tell a big hitter to stop swinging so hard um i think one thing that they could do is maybe instead of you know don't tell them hey don't go for the home run don't use all the power you have but maybe at least try to stretch uh the pitch count get a fuller uh at bat get a good at bat make the pitcher work and then get into the deeper rotation because that's the thing in college baseball you're gonna have a couple you know standout pitchers but most teams can't go deep, deep into innings and keep bringing in rotational guys. Eventually, one of those rotational guys are going to crack. And so I think that's uh, one thing we could, you know, help with the batting while trying to still, you know, bring in the bring in home runs. You can at least just try to get a full count. Sweet. Thanks, Jacob. Where, yeah. the, where the guys play next? Okay, let me pull it up. We are they, at home. They were over Houston Baptist last night. How do we do? Yeah, we won 17-8, uh, to eight, actually. Pretty I good. Have, yeah, I have <laughs> the box score. Uh, we had um, we had 21 hits, seven, or 17 runs, 44 at-bats. So I'm saying we uh, we did pretty good getting through the rotation. But the thing is, is that's also a Tuesday after a Monday off. The problem is, is I think they you know, kind of lose their head. And every Friday game, it seems to be the one that they lose. Like whenever we lost 12 to zero, we only got 12 hits, you know, and then we came around and we actually won a game with only six hits and a really low scoring game. But then, you know, we come back and get 21 and score 17. So it's capable. We're there. Um, It's just, it's all about doing it in the right time, I guess. You excited for a part of the, the conference tournament to be here in San Marcos? I am actually, yeah. I think um, I think we play better at home. Not gonna lie. I mean, I don't think we're afraid of playing on the road. I know we went to A and M and beat them, and like that's one of the best college baseball stadiums to like attend and play in, like with the train track right there and everything. But like we went in there and handled business. So I wouldn't say they're afraid of the road, but I think anytime you play at home, you have an upper hand. Mm-hmm. You sleep in your own bed cook breakfast in your own kitchen and then head to the ballpark i think that's always an advantage yeah i totally agree so yeah we have arkansas state right here in san marcus that starts on thursday at 6 p.m then we play friday again at 6 and saturday at 1 but um 
the big game I'm looking forward to is we have our first home and away, home and home against Texas next Tuesday at six, right here in San Marcos. Just making the trip up and down I-35. Exactly, the, the <laughs> thirty-five minute drive. Yeah. But dude, that is a huge game against a nationally ranked Texas team. I, I mean, I don't know if they're still nationally ranked, but I was watching them this weekend and they were at seventeen. So I'm pretty sure I could stick to my guns and say they're right around seventeen. So. I think we can beat them. Uh, they have really good pitching, so we're going to have to show up. And hopefully we uh, – um, Harrington, you know, times it out right so we can put Connor in there because yeah. that's that's our hot hand right now. I mean, he's 5-1, and one and he's out of control. Uh, his ERA right now, .267, and that's the best for any starter. The only um, person who has a better ERA is uh, Brent Herbert or Bear, and he's 1.56. But the thing is, is he is a reliever. And he's only pitched 17 innings versus Connor's 57. So pretty impressive stuff from Connor. All right, yeah, sweet. Thanks, Jacob. at that for sure. Okay, so now I'm joined by Colton McWilliams, one of my reporters. And we're going to talk about softball, specifically uh, what we're not doing right, I think, Colton. No, we're... This week was not a good week for softball. Though we did beat UTSA, that's probably the most important thing. But like I said, conference is really the most important. And like I said, we didn't come through in our series against Georgia Southern. So, like I said, game one, we started really good. We ended up winning 5-3. to three, And Megan King had a really good game. Seven innings pitch, five hits, and three are and three year runs with like three strikeouts. And like I said, our offense came to bat too. Tara Ottoman had a home run with two RBIs, and Arian Bell had like the double, but it also added two RBIs. And like I said, we jumped on the Eagles for like a four, four nothing till the fifth inning. So like I said, we were able to coast through. And they've been going back and forth with Barrera and um, King all season, basically, yeah. to see who's going to really make an impact at leadoff. And so far, both of them have been fairly inconsistent. Yeah. I would say that Barrera has the better record right now. I couldn't tell you it off of my head. But just from seeing the games that you guys cover all the time, that's kind of what it's leaning towards, yeah, I feel. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit like flip, flip and flopping and all that stuff. And like I said, it's, no, I think it came back and bit, bit him been him in the rear end this pa- the past two games. Like I said, game two, we ended up losing 7-4, to four, which is not bad, but like I said, we we st- like I said, we dropped the second game, but like it's yeah, whatever. But like I said, uh Barrera had like went four innings pitch, but she ended up allowing like five earned runs, which that's we can't like pitchers like we need to keep like your earned runs like down, like probably like below five five runs. Because I think if you're averaging like four runs per game, I think that's a manageable a manageable for the offense to keep to yeah. try to keep up with four runs. But like I said, Aaron five runs, but she ended up with like eight strikeouts, which that, that was really impressive. But like I said, offense couldn't come through in the end. They tried making a comeback in that seventh inning, but like I said, the damage had already been done. So, and they, and Jacob and I were just talking about how the baseball team's kind of been struggling with just leaving people out there in like scoring situations. Mm-hmm. Is that like kind of a common thing with softball as well? Yeah, you just not, can't bring yeah, that's, home. That's kind of how it is. Like we get you get runners on base, but then you're not able to bring them home and. Then, like I said, game three, that was just the big, uh, kind of the big crapper that Sunday. Like I said, we ended up getting run ruled 12-2, to two, and like I said, Megan King, she only— Mercy <laughs> rule. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they had mercy rule. Like I said, she went three innings pitch, but she allowed five ERA, and like I said, that's not something you can do in our 
like I said, offense, offensively, we just struggled. We only got two runs in that game, and we didn't even get, like, I think it was, like, five hits or three hits in that game. So, like I said, offense struggled. And like I said, it was just an overall bad week. What did it, or better said, I guess, what what does the conference standings look like? So, like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, no one's going to catch Louisiana Lafayette. Like I said, they are 18-0 and 0 and only have four losses in the season. Like I said, no one's going to catch Louisiana Lafayette. In second place, it's Troy. They're currently at 14-5, and five, which kind of manageable. But other than that, like I said, App State and Coastal Carolina are ahead of us in the third. We're only like a game behind them. And then we're only – UTA is only a game behind us. So, honestly, we're not in bad shape in the standings. It's not like – an insurmountable like mountain and it's like oh we can catch these teams and like get like a good third place finish or possibly a second where's the conference tournament gonna be played it's gonna be played in san marcus baby what yeah all right cool like so once we get if we make it to the sun belt and that's crucial because oh yeah this team has been struggling on the road Mm -hmm. like i said we are home like i said home field is is safe for the bobcats and like i said having the tournament at home is going to be a big advantage for us when it comes to tournament time All right, sweet. Thanks, Colton. All right. All right, so now joining me are two of my reporters, Colton McWilliams again and Sean and Chando. And guys, I want to talk about specifically the spring game that happened over the weekend. And Colton was in the press box. So, Colton, I know every school kind of does their spring game differently from the rest. You know, we're not UT or anything. So how does Texas State do spring game especially now in the jake spavadol era so the Spav- in the spavadol era our spring game like i said we instead of having like two teams we just had an offensive team and a defensive team so what would happen and we would say like gresh jensen would get a series and then tyler vape would get a series and then jillian gibson would get a series and then about towards the end of like the half you would have all the four like the four like third four-string quarterbacks, and they all get, like, a play each, and they're just rotating in and out, in and out, in and out. And same thing for, like, uh, specialty, you know, units and stuff like that. Special teams would get, like, you know, four, like, field goal chances and all that stuff, and they would punt. And then the beginning of the game, they just did a kickoff, but it wasn't, like, a actual kickoff return. Like, the guy would kick off, and they hand the ball to the returner, and it wasn't, like, full-on tackle. It was just, like, oh, just kind of get your blocks in and just, like, see how – Trying to get in the rhythm of doing like an actual kickoff return. What the crowd look like? Well, the crowd it was actually like pretty packed. I didn't go to last spring game, but it, from talking to a lot of people, it seemed like more people were like really excited about coming to this game. And I think there was more people. Well, I'll than, tell you one thing <laughs> okay. that uh, this spring game had way more people than most of the home games. Yes, oh. there was more people at that game than the App State game. I can <laughs> tell you that right now. I was like, where, when does everyone come into the game? This is my first I game covering. In, I walked in late too because I was at a conference in Austin, a journalism mm-hmm. conference, and so I was just stuck in traffic in Austin, and then. I rolled up probably like seven, seven ten ish, and I was just in time to see the last couple of like two minute drills go in, and then I said hi to a couple of guys on the team, and I was waiting for the press conference to happen, and then that ended up happening somewhere else. So mm-hmm. yeah, funny funny thing is, uh, I looked at the student section, and there was like one guy. You know who that one guy is Andrew Zimmel, the only guy there. <laughs> he was like one of the only guys on there. But they yeah. had a lot of things going on, so I guess that's a really cool thing that marketing's doing mm-hmm. because they were able to sell jerseys at like a very low cost, ten dollars, and it was pretty much every team available that plays in the Sun Belt: soccer, uh, basketball, baseball, both teams, baseball, football. football. Yeah. 
So it was really cool to see that happen. They also had like crawfish and they had a few they had fraternities out there. Too, yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, they canceled it. Well, Bobcat yeah. build was before then, but mm-hmm. yeah. I was like, oh, there's a lot. I, I saw the pictures on Twitter. I was like, well, there's a lot of people there. Like, nah, guys, that's Bobcat build. Chill yeah. out. <laughs> so now let's talk about like the, the individual narratives that we thought we were going to play out. So, first of all, the biggest takeaway, and this is in this week's ish- edition of the paper too, but Sean wrote it up. Yes. And the surprising thing that came about this game was the running backs. Yeah, the the running backs were great. By far and away the most <laughs> yeah. consistent unit. Yes, on yeah. yeah, so Anthony Taylor, he he ran nine times for 72 yards, averaged seven nines per carry. Jalen Nelson, uh, he also had nine carries for 39 yards. He had 4.2 yards per carry. And these are this is against a, like our strength, our defense, especially the, the front seven's really good. So, um, that, I mean, that that's pretty encouraging to see. Uh of course, you got uh, the offensive line, which no one, not a lot of people are talking about why the the running the running game looks so good. But behind, um, when we first talked about Spavadol, right? We all mm-hmm. called him a quarterback savant and mm-hmm. an offensive mastermind and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's not really particularly known for running backs. These these, these guys are some leftover guys. Yep. They're not really your typical um, like Bob Stick kind of running backs. They're bigger guys. They're like, huge. They're yeah. big and they're they're bruisers. They're like saying. Um, they lower their hat when they hit. Yeah, and, yeah, and those guys were throwing real. <laughs> those were real tackles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One guy got blown up. Who yeah. was that, Colton? You saw it in the press box. Yeah, like I said, this wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna run 40 yards with like blowing, you know, leaving everyone in the dust. This was like, oh, I'm gonna run for five yards, but I'm at least gonna break like 10 tackles while doing it. But like I said, I'm with Sean here. Like the running backs were really impressive, and it was just like. We're going to run, like, hard nose, hard hitting, like, nose to the ground, like, running, like, ground and pound. And like I said, it was really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Ch- uh, Chandler Spites, Spates. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Chandler, it says Chandler Spates just killed a guy. That was from Kef on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> but these guys were hidden out there. Yeah, they were. There was there was a lot of uh, walk on players too. They were trying to make a oh, yeah. an impression on coaches too. <laughs> I'm, so I'm sure like coaches don't want their guys getting. Destroyed I was a like little yeah. uh, concerned for Spavadol's own safety because he was right behind the quarterback. Yeah, he he looked like he was going to take the snap from the quarterback. That's how <laughs> close he was. Um, and so now let's go ahead and talk about the quarterback situation itself yes. too. So there's six people in the room. If you don't mm-hmm. know about it, uh, Jacob Summers is going to do a multiple quarterback story coming soon how did that kind of shake out not how i expected at all yeah so uh gresh jensen is is ahead of everyone i wouldn't say he was great but considering the conditions there was 35 mile per hour winds uh he still he threw for 11 for 21 that's around 50 percent but he still threw two touchdowns 130 yards and he threw this on, on a long on no it's like a third and five i think he threw us a 68 yard pass to uh mason hayes yeah, that was he, kind of like the only like really standout play like if yeah. we're gonna sell any sort of storyline from this game it's mm-hmm. that specific play yeah he also had a good um throw into the end zone like a corner um, end zone pass, which was really good. He he showed flashes of what you want to see from a quarterback. He's not, um, I mean, he's not. He didn't light it up, but I don't think anyone really expected him to light it up. I mean, he just he just transferred to the school like what about a month ago, so he doesn't really have the rapport with the receivers yet. So that that's remained to be seen. And what the vit man? <laughs> what happened out there? What, um, welcome to Vit Marcos. That's my thing. I can't go down with this <laughs> ship like that. Ugh, fifty. He threw under fifty percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he six for eight, thirty-two yards, zero touchdown, but no interceptions. I think they were really excited to see Gresh out there because yeah. it. What would this have been like? 
almost a year of him not throwing, I guess, as consistently as he would have been otherwise. He he looks better than everyone. We, we can all agree on well, that. Well, he's older, too. You yeah. Know? Game history has <laughs> Transfer. To, he, what is he knows Vitz, the system. what, 19 now? Yeah. Maybe? He's, if he's a summer baby? It's it's going to be... the Vitt and Gibson are going to be probably battling for that backup spot. And that was mind-boggling. Yeah. I, am I yeah. awake right now? <laughs> Jalen Gibson's doing well? Remember Gibson last year? Because um, they were talking... It was funny because I was writing a story last year about the defense and how like they're leading, like they're one of the top teams in the nation with um, with turnover ratios. <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Yeah, this story is gonna be great." And then uh, Vic throws three interceptions in that App State game, and then they put Gibson in in the last three plays, and he fumbles it. Yep. I was like, and then, "Exactly what?" Happened. And then you know what happened? That story got buried. It never made it to publication, and I worked really hard on it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, when I was covering the game, I was like, well, there goes my defensive story. Yep. <laughs> I still have it saved on the deck. Yeah, so. throw it in the trash. Yeah, it's almost. Hey, it, defense is still key. That's what we're going with on that I still one. see it on my on the slack. <laughs> yeah, so. So what else happened at this game? What else do we want to talk about, guys? Oh, uh, well, Mason Hayes looks like he's he could be the go-to guy. Um, He's looking at that go-to guy. I heard Hutch's name a couple times Hutch, on the intercom as well. Also, someone that 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 like kind of stands out by how he looks and his speed is uh, Jamari uh, Sharid. He he had five catches for only eleven yards, but you know how we were kind of talking about who's going to be that jet sweep guy. I think he could be that guy. He's five foot seven. He's a he's a speed guy. He's really quick. So he he could be. It could be interesting to see what that guy brings. He's a he's a redshirt freshman. So. I mean, uh, we'll we'll see what happens um, throughout the summer if he puts on some weight or or um, how how he how he kind of fills with the other quarterbacks. So that could be a guy to look look out for. Yeah, another thing you want to look out for is that Mason Haynes, uh, Gress Jensen connection. That was one of the main things because, like I said, that was Hayes was the one that caught that seventy-eight yard pass from Gress, and he ended up on that. Next, very next play, Gresh hits Hayes for like the touchdown. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, that could be like a connection we could be looking at next season. So that could be the go-to guy. Mm-hmm. That could be the guy that, um, like, he felt comfortable with them, so he threw it up, and then he caught it over uh, Jerome Morris, who was uh, one of he was the standout freshman cornerback last year. So it's like he wasn't just doing it over some scrub guy that's not going to play next year. That's their starting cornerback. So mm-hmm. that that's interesting. That that uh, what where they're at right now. It's still a process. Yeah. And it, and it's against the defense that is obviously their strength again. So, I don't know whenever they start up in the summer, but it's going to be really exciting once they have those freshmen that they're going to in, integrate into whatever part of the system that they're going to fall into. And but, we'll have no idea what's going on because I, I, I don't think they'll have those ones open to the... To the to very the, end of... Yeah. Of, yeah and the also, very end, like literally in like August. Maybe. Another another point about that too is... Uh, you got to figure in this spring game is they're still learning this new offense and you know they're running a really vanilla scheme. So they they're not doing any of these new since it's open to the public. I'm sure they don't they don't want everyone to see what they're going to be doing in in the fall. So that's another thing to take into account. Yeah. Okay. So let's go ahead and move on. Let's backtrack a little bit. Uh me and Zimmel yesterday talked about fan engagement and the importance of building a culture around the program specifically mm-hmm. you know like when jake spavadol came in mm-hmm. he was talking about you know building a culture and he immediately met with the bobcat club and the alumni association and he started doing all these like pop-up events in houston dallas uh, you know the whole wheel mm-hmm. and the moral of the story i guess is 
and we need people to like buy in to mm. this like team into this mm-hmm. like set of goals too. And something that is in place, but I guess isn't really being practiced much, is this organization on campus or group. It's called the Loud Crowd and Fanatics. And I'm just going to read verbatim off the website so I don't get anything wrong. But founded in 2004, the Loud Crowd is the official student spirit organization of Texas State University Athletics. The group's mission is to promote school spirit both on and off campus and create the best home field advantage possible by ensuring that other, other teams know this is our house. Ooh. The Loud Crowd has the following goals. Increase student spirit on campus at all Bobcat athletic events. Create a fun, exciting, and positive atmosphere for members and all Bobcat fans that will solidify home court slash field advantage. Provide an excellent social opportunity to meet new people through an interest in athletics and serve as ambassadors of Texas State University and act with integrity and sportsmanship. However, comma, I would I would say and I would go on to venture that this organization has failed at that. And that there really isn't even anything in place of that. You know, I think the closest thing we have to that is when Zimmel and, you know, a couple of other guys on Twitter, Texas State Athletics Twitter specifically, you know, become the baseline bums at the at the basketball game. <laughs> yeah, you, you got the you got the president, the, the student president, unofficial, uh Zimmel. He he's actually <laughs> he's the student out, dictator. <laughs> he's yeah, he's a dictator, but he's out there. He's he's going out there what he's a man of the people. All right, so these so what the story is, these guys did not show up or what what's going on? I guess maybe they just haven't really done anything in a while. Were they are those the guys that are at the basketball games that are on the on the visiting team's bench? Are those the guys, or who is that that sits behind them? Behind them? Behind the visiting team. I think it's just whoever. I think it's just that's student that's section. a that's a some uh, kind of frat. I don't know if it's them, but those guys are loud. Yeah. But I don't think it's. I don't. No, I, I don't think it's. Like I don't think this it's group. anything. I think it's just like the frat. It's basically like the people who are trying to promote. Yeah. Like not these people are trying to promote. It's like other people. Like hey, come to these basketball games. We got a really good basketball team. So someone needs to start that up. So, I don't know who it is because well, so, I'm busy running a paper. So but. the thing is, they started in 2005. Four. 2004. I've never heard of them. Have you ever heard of them? Between- I had heard of them right when I got to campus. And I know that they used to have like a like an email thing that you could like email them, I guess, and like be a part of like a student organization. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe they do like chants or something or like sort of like a baby midnight yell thing a la A&M. <laughs> they, but, uh, that's weird. No, 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 no. <laughs> I guess they're, tra- they're I mean, there's, they need a culture here. I mean, it's, it's not apparently here yet, but you need some of these people. Like people like this, like that. It, it sounds like a great idea, but it's. I think that falls into uh, athletics, though. Yeah. 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 If they're if they're calling themselves the official anything of athletics, that's like a like a whole mm-hmm. licensing you're, deal. And so. you're also paying thirty dollars to be in that group. Exactly. So that that's not good. Like I would be like, oh, that's just kind of lame. What yeah. am I just? I'm gonna put this on my resume. I mean, what else is so, it for? I don't know who it is, but somebody's got to get on top of that, and we got to yeah. create a culture around Texas State Texas State athletics again. Yeah, we're calling we're, we're calling you out. <laughs> <laughs> That sounded really tough. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this has been Cats Got Our Tongue. My name is Jacob Rodriguez. Uh, I'm the sports editor for the University Star. Uh, We'll see you guys next time.